the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And welcome to Hour 2. It's Backbone Radio. Matt Dunn here. October 22nd, 2023. Going to talk about hope. Where shall we find hope? Where shall ye find hope? Let's use some of the old English as we talk about this. And that is a risk to look across the bleak and barren landscape and feel like you kind of are losing hope for this country, losing hope for the future. And, of course, that would be the rational viewpoint. You know, if you actually follow the propaganda, subject yourself to the propaganda, and try to make your best conjecture about the future, the trajectory of this nation, it's not especially hopeful. And I think, I think most Americans are feeling that. They feel that in their bones. But yet, that's where you just got to say, like Jack Carr in those Jack Carr thrillers, never tell me the odds. I don't want to hear the odds. We're going for it anyway. Does that make sense? You don't want to step on yourself by using your reason to do so, by to let the propaganda infect you to the point of paralysis. Don't tell me the odds. Onward we go. I think that's the attitude. You've got to be a little irrational about it. Like Soren Kierkegaard in his Leap of Faith, you've got to be a little irrational about it. Your approach to the Gospels, you know, bring a little unreason to it. Just take that leap, man. Go for it. Don't tell me the odds. And by the way, oh, I reminded myself I need to miss, yep, starting a new dental practice, joining a new dental practice coming up this week. And, uh, yeah, I've been practicing for 24 years, making a little move. And I just wanted to get the word out there a little bit, and I'll be talking about it more as the weeks go by. Kind of an exciting time around uh, the Dr. Dunn household, you know. But, um, yeah, that's, that's hope, right? And, of course, you know, you start thinking about where is, where is hope and where shall you find hope. And on earth, maybe... On some level, you don't really find it. And I'm not talking about the faith discussion in spite of the Kierkegaard reference. But if you look around and, okay, should we get a little bit analytical about some of this? Um, We have this sense we're losing America. We're losing the country. America in decline. Not a good deal. Okay. Um, So where, where do you look? Where do you look? I can think of one practical place to look, and maybe that's spoiling the punchline, but I think that is is where Donald Trump comes in, is that he's one person you can hope for. You can have realistic, validated, invigorating hopes that Donald Trump can prevail against the deep state, against the ruling class, against the corrupt system, the corrupt political establishment that rigs every damn thing. Okay, and the Emerson polling grounds for hope, yeah. 
Emerson Polling has Trump at 59%, and then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 other Republicans in single digits. Like, going nowhere. All that big corporate globalist establishment rhino money, and all they have to show for it is single digits. It's humiliating. But yet, like I was saying in the first hour, somehow they still get up in the morning and they go do it. And they embarrass themselves. They embarrass the nation. They should just stay in bed. I mean, single digits ought to keep DeSantis in bed, Christie in bed, Nikki Haley should just, you know, like, uh, you know, out pleading for more money from the big donors, more globalist military industrial complex money. She and her background with Boeing. Yeah. Why? Uh, that's got to be such a hassle. That's got to be such a burden for them to keep on doing this. Okay, but yeah, well, go for it. Okay, let's have a primary, even though it's like the most lopsided, most humiliating primary for the rhino class you could ever imagine that I can even think of. As Shem Horn said, <laughs> even Jeb didn't get shellacked this badly back in 2016. Jeb, exclamation point, Jeb Bush, no more Bushes, yeah. Anyway, you think about the country and its trajectory. We have the wide open border by design. It's what the rhinos want. It's what Paul Ryan wants. It's what the Democrats want. It's what the Bidens want. It's what Obama wants. Destroying the place. We have no more energy independence. We used to have that under Trump. We have 8% interest rates right now. Go buy a house. Yeah. Millennials try to buy a house. You want to pay 8% plus for your mortgage? Oh. That's Bidenomics for you, the Biden dismal bad economy. Talk about buyer's remorse. Uh, 81 million regrets out there, right? 81 million votes for Trump if you, if you take the narrative at face value. Got to be a lot of buyer's remorse out there among the 81 million. Look at that economy. We've got woke culture, woke TV, woke Hollywood, woke corporations in your face all the time. Constant mainstream media propaganda around the clock, some of it quite sophisticated, some of it quite juvenile, okay? You start thinking about, you know, where we are as a country. You got men setting records in women's sports. You got to love that, right? We've got really, really far leftist education for most of the kids of this nation, there's a lot of money out there, and it seems like that money, the billionaire class, has an implacable desire to destroy the foundations of this country. They don't like the history of America. They don't like the culture of America. And they just seem to want it eradicated. They want to be in your face about it in as many public, publicly demonstrable ways as possible. And then, of course, you know, there's all of this rhino perfidy. And I'm just going through some of the things you think about, hmm, what can we hope for? Okay. So those are some of the policy things and where we are. And you want to you wanna have hope in Mike Pence. Mike Pence is out there. I just saw a photo, just tweeted this, Backbone Radio, at Backbone Radio on Twitter. You should follow that. I keep, I keep the news flowing all week long in between Sunday shows. Every so often, a tweet kind of gets big and hits, uh, hits the big time that I put out there. Anyway, there's Pence standing there with about 12 completely dispirited, bored, falling asleep people 
someplace, um, probably in Iowa. And uh, you can look at that. Oh, he's just he's just knocking them out. About it, I, I see about maybe a dozen. That's a solid dozen sort of dispirited people there listening to Pence, and he brings out the best in people. You can put your. You have any hope for Pence? Do you have any hope in DeSantis, the guy who has lost two thirds of his support in the last like three or four months, the guy who has no retail political talent? and is keeping cycling through campaign managers and the rest of his staff and one mistake after another, five spiral crash for dissent. You're going to have hope in that guy. You're going to have hope in Chris Christie. Never met a donut he didn't like. You're going to have hope in Scott or Burgum or I don't know. I mean, you really, there's no practical place to put hope in the Republican Party unless it's, unless it's Trump. Though there are a lot of people out there that they thought they were smart, they thought they were savvy, they thought it was going to be DeSantis, they were all in for DeSantis, and then that that failed on them. So they're still carping about it, where they got trampled by reality, and they're still trying to feel superior, and they're trying to blame the voters for not allowing their vision of reality to materialize when, of course, they got it wrong all the way along. There's a lot of that going on, a lot of bellyache, and could do a whole essay on that. You're going to put hope in a GOP speaker. Well, we couldn't get Jordan. Can we get Byron Donalds? Or will they fluff up some establishment entity Soros connected like Tom Emmer? Hmm? Going to put hope in Congress? They can rig that deal. They can rig the speaker thing. You see how that works. Going to put your hope in Mitch McConnell in the Senate? You're going to put your hope in the court system? Well, I think um, we're not abandoning all hope, ye who enter here. We're... We're not going to care about the odds, though the odds look good for Trump. I mean, he's beating Biden in the polls. He's shellacking everybody in the in the primary. But uh, who can stand up to the deep state? Who can crack the propaganda? Who can stand up to the rhinos? You know the answer. There we go. Rush, Getty Lee, Neil Pert, the Gilded Cage. And... We've lost Getty Lee. I believe he has passed on. We've lost Neil Peart. He has passed on. So two of the three band members for Rush are no longer with us. And would you call that power pop? Been getting some text to studio. One individual texts about, yeah, power pop guy from the 70s and 80s from Tulsa, a guy named Dwight Twilly. Had a big hit with I'm on Fire and why am I, do you know who Dwight Twilley is? Okay, all right. We've got Lou knows who Dwight Twilley is. And I don't know if you want to grab a Dwight Twilley song. I didn't, I don't have any in the Backbone Archive. But at some point, maybe that I'm on fire. Um, yes, producer Blake's off at Wilco tonight. And some texters have, have Blake envy. <laughs> Blake envy tonight. He's off at Red Rocks. By the way, every time I go to Red Rocks, it's like, the weather is brutal somehow. I get rained on, snowed on, the wind picks up. And so I dress for a full mountain expedition whenever I go to Red Rocks. And I load up all the gear for the kids and I start pulling out hats and gloves and wool. And that's one bit of advice I can impart to Backbone Country. Whenever you go to Red Rocks, dress like you're going to go climb Mount Everest or something. Okay? You won't regret it. <laughs> you might not be as cool 
and some of the other concert goers. But uh, eh, you'll probably actually be cooler. We're cooler than the rest, you know? By the way, 303-696-1971, your thoughts invited. We might get some Dwight Twilley at some point in the in the program as it unfurls here. But it, you kind of have to settle it in that if you're going to have hope and political hope, and you see our system as corrupt, you see our system as rigged, you think the deep state has got its tentacles kind of everywhere, and you at least know that the deep state's like this small bunch of freaks back there, a small bunch. They've got a lot of money. They've got the political connections. They've got the institutions. But there's not very many of them. You know, it's just a handful of people, a handful of weird, weird, sick people who are trying to take this country down for whatever sick reason. We are very blessed to have somebody who can stand up to all of that, who we can put some political hope in, practical, present moment, political, earthly hope in, to take on the rhinos, the Republican Party establishment, the corrupt RNC, the propaganda media. My gosh, I mean, what this guy has been doing, what he has been absorbing, and just keeps on going. So... You're going to put hope somewhere else right now? I mean, at this point in the primary, I don't see it. But like I said, there are some of the DeSantis people out there who are bitter and some of the DeSantis team people who, you know, were paid voices, recruited to uh, bang the gong for DeSantis after 2020. Oh, that was all baked in the cake. That was all planned out. DeSantis was going to run. He was going to act like a MAGA guy and he was going to run in 2024. They had that all worked out, and the people that signed up for that were expecting all kinds of perks and positions and all the glories of being involved in politics at the highest levels. But it hasn't worked out, okay? That was like a big whoopsie daisies for these folks. I mean, that's called stepping on a major banana peel pratfall. And so they're going to be a little bitter about it. You're going to see some lingering bitterness come out. And, you know, they had this whole conception in their heads. Oh, DeSantis is going to be the guy. He's going to just do this. We're going to defeat Trump and we're going to get Trump sued and indicted. And he's going to be in jail and we're going to have the lane cleared for a DeSantis. And they had they had it all worked out. But, of course, it didn't work out that way at all. And DeSantis in this Emerson poll and many polls is in single digits. He's sitting there at 8 percent. Nikki Haley's pulling ahead of DeSantis. And nobody likes Nikki Haley. And nobody likes DeSantis either. So Scott Moorfield is a uh, conservative, alleged conservative commentator. And uh, I think, you know, he's written for National Review. He's written for Town Hall. He's written for some of the other places. And, you know, probably a longtime DeSantis guy, my presumption. And... He's trying to maintain his sense of intellectual superiority. He still wants to feel good about himself. He wants to feel like he's still extremely smart and his intellectual capacities are not at all hampered by this little reality problem of single digits DeSantis. And so he's trying to come out and explain like to himself, to make himself feel still superior, to feel good, to feel okay about himself. Why DeSantis is crumbling, why, why Trump is dominating. He didn't expect that. 
And so you get trampled by reality and you have to sort of find some way to maintain some little sense of your your own superiority, right? And you're a lot of commentary out there. And there's a lot of big media people out there that are in this boat, okay? Because they whiffed, kind of like they whiffed in 2016. Maybe it's even a bigger whiff. By the way, if Trump pulls this off, wins the primary, wins the general, will, could you ever think of a greater political comeback in the history of the world? That, that would be the most amazing comeback that I could think of and I think historians could think of, period. Something to get excited about, something to get hopeful about, right? Anyway, Scott Moorfield comes out and says, well... Uh, you know, uh, it's it's like nothing I've ever seen in politics. You know, Ron DeSantis can do here, – here's, here's the quote. No matter what Ron DeSantis does right or Donald Trump does wrong, Trump still overwhelmingly dominates all polling all the time. At this point, I'm thoroughly convinced that DeSantis could cure cancer and Trump could execute an infant on live television and the polls would remain exactly the same. Hell, Trump would probably gain a few points. It's like nothing I've ever seen in politics. What explains this phenomenon? Now, of course, he talks about how Trump is doing all these things wrong and DeSantis has done everything right. No, <laughs> it's the opposite. OK, so he likes to phrase things this way. And of course, he likes to talk about the nobility of DeSantis and associate him with curing cancer and associate negative things like executing people. Um, with Trump. And you can see the, the, the stilted intellectual bias of a guy who's, again, been as a, as a, oh, Irving Crystal would say, mugged by reality. Okay. So as I've never seen anything like this before in politics. This is unprecedented. I'm still right. But somehow, like reality is like screwing up my intellectual sort of visions. You see how intellectuals work. Thomas Sowell has written great books about the anointed, the intellectuals, and how they react when reality fails to live up to their intellectual expectations. Anyway, so Moorfield comes out and says, oh, the cult is real. It's a cult. These cult people would follow Trump anywhere. Yeah, it's a cult. The only cult, actually, is the DeSantis fringe people that would follow DeSantis anywhere, and that's like, you know, a cult is a small group, like down in the single digits. When the, the masses of America, is that a cult? No. Uh, of course, they get that opposite. I'd like to do segments on that. And, uh, you know, he says that, oh, the indictments of Trump have made him more popular because they make it seem like he's persecuted. And he also said, well, what we should just do is thank Trump for his service and move on. We shouldn't we should let Trump take care of his own defense. It's okay to indict Trump. It's okay to raid Mar-a-Lago, says this. Not okay, in my opinion. And Morfield goes on to say, well, it's still early and the voting hasn't really happened yet. Kind of like the old argument, DeSantis hasn't hasn't formally launched his campaign. There hasn't been a debate yet. You see, <laughs> you know, they've always got something. And he says, oh, the polls might just be fake. All these polls that have DeSantis in single digits, they might be fake. Anyway, this is how the intellectuals who have been mugged by reality try to justify their maintained sense of superiority to the masses. Pretty pathetic. It's the things that people tell themselves to buck themselves up, Right. And it's weak. It's pathetic. And but yeah, that's hey, keep at it. Go for it. And let's keep this playing under us here. But Lou back there behind the glass did find some Dwight Twilly, 
who I'm somehow not familiar with, this guy. How did I miss that? How did I miss Dwight? But he passed away on October 18th. That would be four days ago. Let's bring some volume in there. I like that riff. Had some texters the studio talking Dwight Twilly. Apparently he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Attended Edison High School. I assume that's in Tulsa. And then went to Northeastern Oklahoma A&M College. He worked with uh, Tom Petty. And I'm just looking through some of the bio here. Worked a bit with uh, Leon Russell, even. That's kind of a good tune. I think I'm overdue to have a Dwight Twilly face. How's that sound out there to Backbone Country? Then he had his solo years. Anyway, rock on. I guess his biggest hit is this one, which is called I'm on Fire from 1975. Another big hit called Girls from 1984. And yeah, he's associated with the power pop style. Who are some other power pop bands off the top of your head? Cheap Trick always gets labeled power pop. The Raspberries. And uh, the Raspberries. And who was the lead singer for Raspberries? Uh, All By Myself. Uh, what was that guy's name? Uh, oh, I've played his tunes. Eric Carmen. I got it. I still got it. <laughs> Eric Carmen, who, in my opinion, is a bit of a Paul McCartney imitator. Paul McCartney had a few power pop songs. Like Junior's Farm played that last week. Or no, that's coming up. Actually, that might have been what I was just going to play, but we, we did Dwight Twilley instead. Is that what you took off? Did you take off, uh, let me see uh, where we were on it, that. It, it might have been that one. Yeah, it might have been that one. At any rate, okay, sometimes we, we get going on the music. But I wanted to get into this as well. Um, did you watch Face the Nation <clears throat> this morning, the Sunday shows? And I have to admit, I'm not watching them like I used to. I used to report on the Sunday shows, the political establishment shows, then come in and talk about them on the air like something some establishment person said. But they're just unbearable. It's all propaganda. Okay. Mitch McConnell goes on Face the Nation this morning, which I believe is the CBS, the CBS morning show. ABC has uh, this week... And meet the press, meet the depressed, as Rush Limbaugh always used to say, is on NBC. But Face the Nation is CBS. Used to be Bob Schieffer, I think, was the guy there. Anyway, so Mitch McConnell goes on. And Mitch McConnell, you know, a pre-recorded interview. So just in case he had a little freezing up problem, <laughs> just in case, you know, he has that little rigor mortis thing where Mitch, you know, he goes up on stage and all of a sudden he just, uh, like the turtle frozen in his shell. And there's Mitch. There's the leader of the Senate. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Mitch goes on, face the nation, and says that he he's all buddy-buddy with Joe Biden, likes Joe Biden, and he's doing a great job on Ukraine, got to shovel more money into Ukraine. And this is one thing that is bothering me, that they're trying to bundle and link, what I'm calling linkage on Twitter. They're trying to link... Billions for Ukraine to billions for Israel and a certain amount for what they call border security, which actually is a canard 
Stephen Miller is saying that, well, they're trying to link border security and throw in a little sweetener to the masses. But all that money is going to do for the border is try to um, get more people in and assimilated to the United States of America and voting. <laughs> they're going to help resettle people and maybe not to the blue cities that are complaining about it as much like Denver. Mayor's complaining. Yeah, the mayor who hasn't done anything. New York, Chicago, where they're complaining about the uh, illegal immigrants suddenly showing up and stressing out their systems. But, of course, they are the ones they are the good liberal leftist blue city people who wanted Joe Biden, wanted his wide open border. But now they're like whining about it. And it's kind of annoying, right? Yeah, we all pay the price for their uh, hypocrisy, incompetence, dishonesty, whatever you want to call it, all of the above. But. Mitch McConnell supports Biden's Israel and Ukraine aid bundle, hopes for functional house, New York Post article today by Ryan King. So $61.4 billion for Ukraine, $14.3 billion for Israel, and $30.1 billion for other projects like border security. So that's like about $106 billion that we get to spend. The U.S. taxpayer gets to spend the stuff, and they're trying to control where your money goes. They slap you in the face. They kick you to the curb over the speaker choice. (laughs) And you have no representation out there in the Beltway, none. The only thing to hope for is that Trump gets in there. You have no representation, but you got to pay your taxes, and they're going to take your money and spend it where they want it, the stuff that doesn't end up in their own pockets, okay? So they're holding Israel hostage to Ukraine. The unpopular war in Ukraine. Increasingly unpopular disaster misadventure that is Ukraine, which I've been on from the beginning, saying the same stuff about how that was all going to be. Yeah, another $61.4 billion. We're already over $130 billion. That's going to put us past $200 billion or approaching it to Ukraine. So let's hear what Mitch McConnell had to say this morning on the establishment media face the nation. It is all interconnected. And you've said that you believe there is enough oversight of aid to Ukraine. Why hasn't that persuaded some members of the of the Republican caucus? If you look at the Ukraine assistance, let's let's talk about where the money is really going. A significant portion of it's being spent in the United States in 38 different states replacing the weapons that we sent to Ukraine with more modern weapons. So we're rebuilding our industrial base. That's what President Biden's seeking to do. It's it's correct. No Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. We're re- rebuilding our industrial base. Uh, the Ukrainians are destroying the army of one of our biggest rivals. I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Wonderful that they're defending themselves. And also the notion that the Europeans are not doing enough. They've done almost $90 billion. They're housing a bunch of refugees who escaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that our NATO allies in Europe have done quite a lot. You sound like you have a lot in common with President Biden in his worldview, based on what you just laid out. Well, not on the domestic side, but on on this issue that we were discussing today, we're generally in the same place. Okay, so you get the idea. It's uniparty, uniparty, uniparty. Mitch McConnell loves him some Joe Biden. 
and he loves the America last billions flowing endlessly to Ukraine. So we can flirt with a World War III problem there. And then they hold Israel hostage to Ukraine at this very moment when Israel's been under attack. You see what they're doing here. They try to link all this stuff together and a little bit of this border security, which actually is the opposite of security because it's going to fit the rhino establishment uniparty agenda of bringing more and more millions of people into this country and get them voting as fast as possible and the cheap labor and the rest of it. So Mitch McConnell was able to stay unfrozen for that recorded interview. And he says this, the military-industrial complex of America is getting war bucks off this deal. We're confiscating your tax dollars and sending it to my friends, and I'm sure I'm connected to it too, right, Mitch? So that the millions and millions, part of them, can go to Mitch's friends in the military-industrial complex so we can go around flirting with World War III and hold Israel hostage to this imbroglio in Ukraine which GOP voters have rejected decisively, and a majority of the American voters have rejected more aid to Ukraine as well, but they're going to put Israel in there and border stuff in there in order to get what they really want, which is more money to Ukraine, and then, of course, into their friends' pockets and their own, in my opinion, in the military-industrial complex. How does that grab you? I mean, do you feel represented? Do you feel like that's where you want to spend your taxpayer dollars? More for Ukraine? Yeah. You see, it's all America last with these people. And even that little slipping in the border stuff again is more America last stuff because it helps bury this country by assimilating the millions that are enticed to come in illegally. That is the policy. That is what they want. Someone like a Jim Jordan stands up, and he's, he's not an open borders guy. They couldn't let him get in there. They had to rig that deal against him. Anyway, yeah, just that's your military-industrial complex update. Dwight Eisenhower knows exactly what that's about. Be right back. King of the Road by Roger Miller bringing us back. And we always get a bunch of requests to play some of the older-time country music which, in my view, was the superior country music, which is why we play so much of it around here. King of the Road, and that's that's one of the all-time classics. And I do apologize for the reference to cigarettes in there. That's not very wholesome. But that's, you know, that country music back in the day. That's how those folks rolled. And uh, about the only one left from that time is Willie. Willie's still going, and I think he just turned 90. Didn't he? I think he hit 9-0. And I think he gave up smoking things. <laughs> That's probably good. Yeah, a little text to it. One of the coolest tunes ever. You got to put Roger Miller up there with some of the greatest singer-songwriters that this country has ever produced. By the way, in the last news break, you heard, uh, <clears throat> you know, some propaganda, in my opinion. You know the news breaks, right? CBS which I'm glad we have, glad we have, you know, but uh, you, you, we got to hear Lindsey Graham, military-industrial complex senator, agitating for World War III all over again, more money for Ukraine, 
Yeah, that's the establishment. And that's what comes on the uh, media, right? And who else did we get to hear? Did you did, did you hear it? Liz Cheney. <laughs> so we get we get a twofer. We get Liz Cheney. We get to hear her thoughts on the speaker situation. And we get to hear Lindsey Graham on our urgent need for World War Three and World War Four. the sooner the better. Do you see what we are bathing in all the time? And Liz Cheney, I mean, why would CBS want to be getting her voice injected into the debate when she lost her primary race in Wyoming by 40 points? See, see, she's not a part of it. See, she's not in there able to make a selection on who the speaker should be. But because she's tied into the establishment crowd, the military-industrial complex crowd, the rhino crowd, kick the GOP voters to the curb until you have a primary election and lose by 40 points. But they're still trying to keep her voice in there. And, of course, you know, she didn't want Jim Jordan. You know, you can't have Jim Jordan. You have to have somebody like Liz Cheney be the speaker, right? You have to have somebody who's uh, all out advocating for everything America lasts and more world wars and more money to the defense industry, like you just heard Mitch McConnell talking about. And those are the people that are ruling us. And just remember, you know, it was it was under Trump. We had nothing but peace, peace breaking out all over the Middle East and all over the world. And outside of a New York City court this week, uh, Trump said this, hey, if I was president, you would never have seen Israel attacked and you would never have seen Ukraine attacked. This is a disgrace. Should have never, ever been allowed to happen. And I'll tell you, another thing that would have never happened is the attack on Israel. If I were president, Israel would not have been attacked. It was viciously attacked. It would not have been attacked. Ukraine would not have been attacked. You take a look at what's going on throughout the world. The world right now is a mess. It's a mess, and it's a very sad day. Thank Will you. Will you visit Israel? Will you visit Israel, Mr. President? I may. I may go. I may go. I haven't thought of it, but I believe in letting them do what they have to do. They have to straighten it out. What's happened in Israel is all of those people dead would have never happened, ever, not even a chance. Even the Democrats admit that if I were president. Thank you very much. And I agree with that. And he's got a four-year track record of peace as president to bring to bear as evidence behind those assertions. 2016, when Trump was running, he didn't have a four-year track record as president to uh, back anything up. But now he has the full backing of all of the peace under his term. 2016 to 2020, all of the peace. Russia waited until Trump was out of office to make their move on Ukraine. Hamas seems to have waited until Trump was out of office to make their move on Israel. Why do you think that is? I think that uh, we don't have leadership. We don't have strength in office. And I think America is is laughing at us. America is laughing. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the world is laughing at the United States of America. And, you know, someone else who agrees with that is this guy. We're being laughed at all over the world. We have become a fascist state run by incompetent people that want to see us fail. We're not going to let it happen. We're not going to have our country destroyed. The show 60 Minutes should be ashamed of themselves if anybody watched it on Sunday night. Yeah, did you watch the uh, long Biden interview 
on 60 Minutes. Yeah, last Sunday. No, you didn't watch it because you were probably listening to Backbone Radio. But, boy, did they ever ask the most juvenile, basic, you know, coddling questions of Joe Biden. One of the saddest things you could ever see is the president, the leader of the free world, in such a state of uh, decrepitude, not knowing what is happening out there and mouthing the stuff in the most submediocre way of what the puppet string pullers are telling him to say. And by the way, speaking of Biden, he wants the country to put aside petty politics. He wants the country to come together for Ukraine, for Israel, for his policy agenda. And um, I don't know, are you game for that? Do you think it's time to follow Biden's lead and put aside petty politics? And listen, listen to him say, do you, does he have your loyalty? I know we have our divisions at home. <clears throat> we have to get past them. We can't let petty, partisan, angry politics get in the way of our responsibilities as a great nation. I'll play that again in a second, but petty, partisan politics get in the way of our duties as a great nation. And again, Joe Biden is the guy who has sent his FBI to raid Mar-a-Lago. Joe Biden is the guy who's trying to indict, arrest his political opponent. Joe Biden is the guy who has uh, turned his FBI into uh, interest in investigating MAGA people. Every other word out of his extreme MAGA people, which means <laughs> basically the entire voting base of the Republican Party. All of the names that he has called us. All of the names. Yeah. And now that he wants more billions to Ukraine, we got we got to put aside the petty politics, okay? You see how it works? Yeah, let's, let's just hear him say that one more time. I know we have our divisions at home. <clears throat> we have to get past them. We can't let petty, partisan, angry politics get in the way of our responsibilities as a great nation. Do you think that he has a solid foundation with which to say that? Do you think that he has inspired any loyalty from even his own side to get them all worked up to follow the Joe Biden agenda? And do you think that the uh, at least half of this country that he has insulted and essentially threatened and tasked the FBI with investigating, with being on alert for domestic terrorism, right? Turning the intelligence agencies against American patriots, just against normal American citizens and is it time to just sort of drop that and say, okay, Joe, yeah, we're all for spending the $106 billion, $61.4 billion for Ukraine, $14.3 billion for Israel, and then $30.1 billion for a bunch of other stuff? Yeah, I don't think Joe Biden has a whole lot to stand on there. At any rate, when we come back in the third hour, as we wrap up this second hour, have you seen... Uh, Dinesh D'Souza has a new film coming out, a new movie coming out, a new documentary coming out called Police State. Got a little preview of that about police states. And do you think the police state is okay? I, I say it's it's not okay. I'm with Dinesh on this one. It's Backbone Radio. Be right back. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.